This is WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. Coming up next, Art on the Air, with your host, Rob Hessler. Welcome to Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. This is an hour-long interview program dedicated to the visual arts. Each week we feature guests in conversation about their theory, practice, and current projects, as well as the state of the visual arts in our community. On this week's episode, we've got Samita Wolf from Film Biz Recycling. Plus, we've got an interview with Lisa Rosenmeyer, who has just recently reopened her studio at City Market. So let's get started with another episode of Art on the Air. Here's your host, Rob Hessler. And this is Art on the Air. This is Rob Hessler speaking here. Thank you for tuning in. If you're listening to the live show, it is just after 3 o'clock here in Savannah. And I've got a really jam-packed full episode, so I don't have a lot of time to chat here. Like I mentioned, Samita Wolf from Film Biz Recycling. I have worked with her on a couple of performance art pieces, so I wanted to bring in that element, and she talks all about her business and how the community stepped up to save her business. And then I spoke with Lisa Rosenmeyer, and guys, this is a really great interview. You're really gonna wanna hear about this. I wanted to chat with Lisa because she reopened her studio down at City Market and it ended up being a tremendously interesting conversation about the nature of art here in Savannah, what we think might happen, and her personal experience, a very powerful personal experience with her decision to reopen and the impact that that had on her and her family. And I think it's it's one of the most powerful interviews I've ever recorded. So you're going to want to listen to that. But we're going to start first with Samita Wolf of Film Biz Recycling. I hope you guys enjoy that. I'll pop in after that interview to introduce Lisa's. Enjoy. Rob Hessler here with Art on the Air Field Notes. I am on the phone with Samita Wolf of Film Biz Recycling. And we're going to be talking about her business and how the community recently stepped up to ensure that it could continue on. Samita, first and foremost, though, I want to ask you, how have you been holding up during the shelter-in-place order? I feel bad for saying, but really, really good. I kind of am digging it. And speaking of digging, just playing in my garden a lot. I, I, the week after, or no, the weekend that I was uh, let go or furloughed from my uh, job on a TV show, I filled up half of my front lawn and friends the vegetable garden. So I've just been hanging out of the house doing that. I will say this is that I don't think you're alone in that. My wife has done an awesome job on our garden and she started like right when the shelter in place order began. And now earlier this week, she was picking mustard greens and peppers and stuff that she had started and that just started growing when 
when this all started. So like we're kind of already starting to get the bounty of this yeah, of the garden. Crazy. Yeah, well, that's cool. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I don't think you need to feel bad. I've been speaking with a lot of artists and creative types, and a lot of people are just trying to take advantage of the time that they have. And I will say that you mentioned being furloughed from your job. A lot of people have kind of said that it's given them the opportunity to focus on some things that maybe can give them identity beyond their work. So things that just sort of bring them sort of fulfillment I think that the gardening is doing that for sure, but I think it's also a little bit of independence because the same the same weekend that I tilled up my front yard, I also got chickens, and it was just kind of a worst-case scenario to be able to, to have a bit of food for me and my family if things went awry. Yeah, we've gotten uh, eggs from a from a neighbor who raises chickens as well. And I mean, it is this interesting thing. It's like this sort of innate instinct, I think, to do some homesteading, like almost like getting back to kind of a more natural state for us in a way. Oh, for sure. And you wouldn't believe how many people, like right before I got on the phone with you, I have so many people in my neighborhood that just like stop and want to talk to me about the garden. And, like, they're either talking about how they want to get one going or they just, like, can't believe, you know, how incredibly fast that everything's growing. And just, you know, it's been really cool to talk to people that you, but I might not necessarily talk to because because I have a cart in my front yard. It's, it's been really cool and, like, connecting with people, especially since we're in, a, you know, the house alone with, you know, our significant others and whatever, to have those, you know, six feet apart conversations with strangers is really nice. Yeah, and I don't know if you've started to have it yet, but we have now, like, connected to a network of, like, trading. Like, my wife ended up getting accidentally, like, an enormous amount of strawberry plants. And so she (laughs) traded some strawberry plants, and then we've been receiving other things. Like, we got some dried cilantro uh, that was, you know, it was garden-grown cilantro that was dry that we needed for a recipe. We have dill in our refrigerator right now that somebody had grown in the neighborhood. And it's like... There's been a weird, uh, not a weird, but like a, a pretty interesting and fun sort of like pe- people around the neighborhood are growing these things to do cooking with and are just kind of trading them. And I think that that's really cool. Like you said, it's a way that like we're connecting with neighbors in a way that maybe we wouldn't have before. Yeah. And my uh, my plan for the, you know, hopefully everything is as dustful as, as I hope to like have a little basket and put, like, what I can't, what we can't use, you know, I'll offer to friends and stuff, but I'm just going to have a basket that's, like, on my yard that anybody in the neighborhood can come and get stuff. So I think, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really terrible and hard situation for a lot of people, but the, the things that are coming out of it just, you know, now in our community, I, I think are pretty special. Yeah, I'm hoping that we can keep that. And a lot of the artists that I've been speaking with are sort of sem- saying the same kind of thing as, you know, the, hoping that... Although there's obviously it's a health crisis and there is there are people who are really severely affected and impacted to the point of, you know, people dying. But there is that other side of it that I think that I'm hoping that we can hold on to the the added community and connection that we've had to sort of figure out that we didn't have before. So I'm hoping that we can continue on with that. Well, look, let's get into a discussion about film biz recycling because I usually cover the visual arts and I think that people are probably like, well, why am I covering, why am I talking to Samita Wolf about about a film biz recycling company? But of course, I've used you before to get materials for performance art pieces. And in fact, should this all ever end, uh, I'll be doing another performance art piece in August, and so I'll probably be coming to you to 
get some vintage prop rentals. So first and foremost, why don't you just tell our listening audience what Film Biz Recycling is, and then I want to delve back into the history of it, how it all started, and how you came to Savannah. But what is Film Biz Recycling? Film Biz Recycling is an environmental nonprofit at its core. We keep things at our dumpsters and landfills, and the things that we keep out are mostly props and set decorations for film and television, theater, performance art pieces. I deal with a ton of SCAD students, and what we, we get donated from sets, but we also get donations from people in the community that just have really cool things that they don't want to take to their, you know, goodwill or something like that. And what we don't use, uh, we typically donate to, like, other charities and stuff in town. And things that can't be donated, we dispose of in a sustainable manner. And a lot of the times, that's me renting truck space from J-Dog Dunkelmobile, who are my neighbors. And they have companies in town that do, like Green Acres, that do a bunch of like construction recycling. Mm. They'll, they'll take sofas and like uh, take the wood and stuff out of the sofas. It's kind of a, a crazy process. But yeah, that's what, that's what we do. We service almost every production that comes in town in some way, whether they're renting things from us or donating on the other end. We've been open for three years now. Our anniversary was on Earth Day this year. I mean, it's on Earth Day every year. I did that on purpose. We came down from New York. We were, uh, I was handed the nonprofit from New York that was uh, started there by a woman named Eva Raxi in 2008. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, and of course, you're down at 10 Dooley Avenue, which is off of Louisville Road. It's kind of back in that area where there's a lot of those sort of old brick buildings and everything. That, mm-hmm. And it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting space. And it's a lot of fun to go through the warehouse space that you guys have because there's like, you know, you think, oh, it's donations and trash. Like, what could possibly be, you know, what could that possibly be? But it's like... There are treasures in there. Like walking through there, it's like walking oh, yeah. through the coolest antique store. And there's a lot of things that I find like super nostalgic. Like there's, you know, items from like the 80s, whether it be like televisions. I know I donated a bunch of 90s era school cassette tape players to at one point. And there's a lot of like that kind of stuff. But then there's like old like vintage lamps and things that are just like. They're treasures, and like you really can create a a truly authentic sort of set just by digging through what other people's trash was, but what you've been able to gather up and and keep out of the trash. Yeah, for sure. Well, a lot of a lot of that would be, I guess, you can do that trash is like it doesn't necessarily need to work. You know, movie magic. So, you know, a, a, a cool television that's from the fifties, like it doesn't necessarily need to, you know, turn on. And uh, lamps are easy to fix, but like they, I guess you would need to have practical. But anyways, we're gonna get the about that. But we we have uh, 3600 for we are off of Julie Avenue, which is is a little bit kind of hidden, but I like it that way. We're by appointment only, so we don't have a lot of foot traffic. It, we have you know tons of lighting and textiles. I'm kind of obsessed with old like window treatment. I'm a set decorator by profession, so you know like see a pattern of like an old linen pair of curtains with the sun coming through or like it's kind of my happy place <laughs> we have tons of like well not tons but like faux greenery we have full medical equipment we have tons of old kitchen stuff and i've gotten like old spices from uh ruby mcglory she's like pilfered through people's spice cabinet that it may have should have taken stuff out you know years and years ago but now they're really cool set decorations 
well. Yeah, I know you have a couple of phone booths, which is really cool to me. Yeah, I've got I've got one that's like a freestanding phone booth, and another one that I think would be something that you would see maybe in like a prison. It's just it's kind of like I I'm not that far with any of the like super big prop houses that they have in in LA, New York, or Atlanta even. But you know, we make it work. And it's, it's really cool to see um, the students come in and do a thing. Uh, I learned from one of the professors in called uh, reverse budgeting, where you can kind of go and see what is available to you and then maybe write something around it rather than, like, writing something and then, like, scrambling to try to find what you're, you know, what you've written. You're listening to Art on the Air on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with Global Soul. Yeah, that's cool. You know, I, I, I'm curious, though, like, why did you come to Savannah? What brought you here? Well, short story, I guess, is I'm from Woodbine, Georgia, which is just 100 miles south of here. I joined the Navy in 2002 and then went around the world, needed to come back to Georgia to use my GI Bill and my Hope Scholarship. So in 2007, I bought a house in Savannah. Okay. I went to school at Savannah State for environmental science and somehow got wrapped into a traveling storytelling tour called the Unchained Tour. And then I produced that for a few years here out of Savannah with the, the founder of the Moth. So we would have Moth storytellers and musicians and travel around the Southeast. And then at some point, I quit my day job, which was an office manager for a commercial real estate company. <laughs> I think that was the last time I've had a, a real job. Yeah, so I did the traveling storytelling thing, the Unchained work, and decided after the last tour that I wanted to move to New York. And I did that, and I didn't know what I was going to do there. So I put up my feelers out, and through storytelling thing, buddies in New York were like, you would be good in production. And I didn't really know what that meant. In hindsight, it seems like that would have been more like stage managing, I and mean, maybe in theater and stuff like that, or events. But somehow I got a job on a film being a locations manager with Eric Roberts and the kids from Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, um, wow. And that was my first gig in, in production. So then I worked in New York consistently for three years. I kept my house in Savannah. I just kept my finger on the pulse of what was happening in Savannah because I, I didn't leave here because I was, you know, fed up with it. It was just I didn't know what I was going to do as far as a career. So whenever I started seeing that there were more and more film jobs, happening in Savannah, I was trying to make some moves, but still didn't know if I would, like, be able to consistently work, so I was trying to figure out another, like, side hustle, which is my life. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I was, uh, one of the last things I had in New York was working on The Americans. I was a set dresser, but I was in charge of the set decoration warehouse full of all their full old 80s and 70s stuff and, and set decoration. So I was really good at Organizing all that stuff, you can imagine after like five years of uh, different crews coming in and out that it just was like at the end of a show, you just throw everything in a warehouse and you walk away until the next season, if you get renewed for the next season. So I just kind of cleaned up the warehouse and was like, maybe I should open a pop house in Savannah whenever I go back. But I had no capital or anything like that. But I did know of a woman that did this really cool thing in Brooklyn called Film Biz Recycling, and at that point, Film Biz Recycling was more of a retail store, 
because New York is so expensive and the rent, I think they paid over a hundred grand a year in rent oh. uh, for their space. They had to, you know, turn over a bunch of stuff because it was also, it's like such a huge hub for production that they were getting, you know, truckloads of stuff in, you know, every day. So I took Eva out to lunch just to kind of pick her brain because I was like, I know I don't necessarily want a retail store. I would like to have a prop house. I really like the way that you are, you know, you ran this organization, sustainability aspect of, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that, at that point, they had to close their doors because they were going to increase their rent by like 100% in Gowanus, which is like, I think, a super fun site. Super fun, not super fun, <laughs> which is interesting, but that's just uh, Brooklyn. And so they closed their doors. And I guess I approached her at the right time because over lunch she basically asked me if I wanted to take over the nonprofit. And so I called up my fiance at the time and I was like, I guess we're going to move to Georgia and open a prop house. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> December of 16, uh, everything became official. The board voted and Andrew and I packed up a 26-foot truck that was full of Wow, that's so crazy. I didn't realize, I thought you'd have been around longer because I think it was October, September, October of 2017 that I first got some supplies from you for a project. And I think, I didn't realize that you had only been here for that long, but I got to just tell you, my wife and I recently binge watch uh, the Americans, and I oh you, you're pro- you're probably lucky that I didn't know that you worked on that show because that is like one of my favorite shows ever. I would have been like texting you the whole time, being like, "Did you get this? Pop? How was this?" <laughs> uh, honestly, I didn't even watch it. I don't think I had a way of watching it whenever I was working on it, and I had I I didn't know how good it was until we moved down here. And I there aren't many shows that I'm just like I miss those characters so much that show is so good and i'm not typically a person that will want something over but i think that between that and kids week i'm totally gonna you know rewatch this too that's awesome well you did an awesome job on that i mean i think that that it looked so right and i think that that's what's so cool you know i I kind of nerd out on that anyway, just like, you know, trying to make things with my performance art stuff, just trying to make things look just right and doing the research. And, and the more the more I do it, the more it's kind of you can be become obsessed with like the little details, you know, as you learn it. Oh, and, yeah. We call some of those things life layers in the industry whenever you're trying to decorate a set and like, you know, you know, the, the butts in an ashtray or, you know, the you know rings on a, on a table or something like that. Uh, very cool. That's so awesome. Well, look, yeah. I, I want to ask you though now. I want to kind of transition because that's a great that's a great story, and I think now people can sort of appreciate what you've got going on. And of course, just like every other business in Savannah, you know, you have been impacted by the health crisis, and I know that. And I've volunteered for you before there over at Film Biz, and the mm-hmm. time and when I was there it was nearing finals time for SCAD students. So a lot of them were coming to pick up supplies that they had rented. Well, given that SCAD has gone entirely online and the school has closed down, and of course everything has just been shuttered as well, I imagine that that's been a big hit for you as far as like your rentals and everything like that go. So you recently reached out to the community to get a little bit of help. Why don't you tell us what, tell us what you did and tell us how that all worked out. I want to say it was like three days ago. I decided to do a uh, Facebook fundraiser 
to reach out and try to raise one month's rent just to kind of give me a little bit of a cushion. My rent is my biggest expense. It's twenty one sixty. My landlord is very nice, but you know there isn't any rent assistance for people or businesses or mortgage or anything like that. So I we all understand how that works. So I started out with this, the whole coronavirus situation lockdown, whatever, with about eight grand in the account, which is like kind of a lot of money for, I, 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 I feel like a small business or a nonprofit or whatever, but my my last paying customers, like I said, was the 27th of February, and now we're, you know, mid-May, and the rent still due, and yeah, so I was just getting a little bit scared. I, I, I don't necessarily, I like to, like, you know, run the nonprofit kind of like a business and let it sustain itself for the most part. And we're lucky to do that, but I just, yeah, it's like it's been a tough time. And, I, and I, I'm not necessarily one to, like, ask for help, just because I'm a bit stubborn. But I hoped to, you know, raise the 2160 to be able to have another month's rent so I could figure stuff out. And lo and behold, you know, two days later, I had over two months' rent, which um, it's kind of incredible. I think we're going up to... $4,470. That's amazing. That's so cool that the community came out to support you. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people yeah. who believe in what you're doing. Yeah. And, it, and you know, the, the reason that I came back to Savannah, for the, you know, I love, I, I've loved it here for forever. Like, I used to get so angry whenever I had to leave because they were just beautiful. And with the Unchained Tour, I, like, made lifelong friends. And, and you know, it's just the way of life here is, it's just, a, it, 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 I, I don't want to be anywhere else. And I knew that I could only do or make film biz recycling work here because I had the community of people that would support me and my endeavors, I guess. So I'm well, super happy about that. But I do want to also say thank you to the people that don't live here. Um, I got tons of uh, donations from New York and, like, other countries. Like, uh, I've got some out of, uh, or continents even, uh, Australia and Scotland and, in Canada, you know, like all over, there's been a, um, a, a lot of people, um, you know, give a couple bucks. It's been amazing. Wow, that is so cool. Well, that is awesome that your that some film biz recycling will most certainly then be able to continue through this difficult time. And, you know, I, I personally thank those people because, like I said, I'm I'm hoping to uh, rent some stuff from you <laughs> here for an upcoming project <laughs> here in August, assuming that we're able to get back to even a – uh, some sense of normalcy by then. If people are interested in, you know, contacting you, obviously now is still, we are still being extra careful and most things have not opened up, even though the, I know the governor has opened up a lot of Georgia, but I think here in Savannah, there is still um, an abundance of caution, which I think is is the right way to do it. But if people are interested mm-hmm. in learning more about film bills recycling and potentially in the future utilizing your services, how can people find FilmBiz and how can people get more information? We, you know, we maintain a website that I don't think it gets very much traffic, but we're FilmBizRecycling.org. We uh, have a presence on Facebook, obviously, and that's, you know, FilmBiz Recycling, and then on my favorite, you know, social media platform and Instagram for a long time. Um, I like to, you know, tell stories through photos. So that is at FilmBizSav. And through our, you know, Facebook or website, you can sign up for our newsletter, which goes out periodically. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm not a big Instagram user, I'll admit, but sometimes I go on there and I imagine that at, at FilmBizSav 
is a lot of fun because I'm sure you post up photos of all of the cool stuff you have. Yeah, all the cool stuff we have, all the cool things we're doing. And I also keep, you know, I'm still maintaining my finger on the pulse of what's happening in the film industry here in Savannah. And that's going to be an interesting, I have no idea what that's going to mean. And nobody knows what anything's going to mean from now. But I, I think we, we like to pop up other artists and, and stuff in town, too. I, I would say it's worth the, worth the follow. Very cool. Well, Samita Wolf, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me about not only film biz recycling, but about the community coming together to help you out and and to continue the good work that you're doing over there. Thanks again for coming on Art on the Air Field Notes today. Thank you so much for having me. And that was my interview with Samita Wolf of Film Biz Recycling. I am Rob Hessler, and you are listening to Art on the Air. I am going to play up next my interview with Lisa Rosenmeyer. This is a very powerful interview. I think you're really going to want to listen in. She talks about reopening her space down at City Market. We also got into a lot about what the impact of the COVID-19 and the health crisis might have had on the Savannah art community. Without further ado, I'm going to play a couple of quick messages. After those messages are done, we will start right in with the interview with Lisa Rosenmeyer. Enjoy. The Deep Center, a 501c3 nonprofit organization, was founded in 2008 to address the detrimental effects of poverty on literacy in Savannah. During its first year, Deep hosted free writing workshops for 24 kids from two local public schools and published one anthology. Since then, nearly 2,450 kids have each enjoyed a fully funded scholarship to our three-month-long writing program and have been published in a book. More information is available at deepkids.org. You're listening to Art on the Air on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia. 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. WRUU 107.5 FM is a new and different, listener-supported, and all-volunteer community radio station for Savannah. Our diverse broadcast and web programming is supported by generous listeners who value our passion and spunk. We are independent of other media and receive no government or large corporate support. People like you are the largest and most important source of our funding. Go to WRUU.org to find out how you can make a one-time or monthly contribution. Thank you. Now you have a chance to support both Savannah Independent Artists and WRUU during this shelter-in-place order to stop the spread of COVID-19. Creatives in Need is a group of independent artists hosted by the Roots Up Gallery, which is collaborating with WRUU during this shelter-in-place to offer an online art gallery at www.rootsupgallery.com. For every work of art sold at this online gallery, the artists receive 80% from the sales and 20% goes to WRUU and its programs like Art on the Air. Interested listeners can go to www.rootsupgallery.com to start shopping today. Rob Hessler here with Art on the Air Field Notes. I am speaking by telephone with Lisa Rosenmeyer about her reopening of her gallery down at City Market. Lisa, before we get into that, though, I just kind of wanted to check in with you. I've been following you on social media. How has things been going for you during this quarantine period? Quarantine, wow. That was a 
that was a whirlwind of emotions there. Everything from, you think, okay, you know, we're going to treat this like a hurricane, you know, we're in Savannah, we shut down for, you know, you know, three, four days, and they'll be like, okay, it's just a little longer than that, everything's going to be okay, and then you start getting messages from other places that represent you that they're shutting down, they're closing their doors, even places in other parts of the country, and you're like, okay, okay, this has gotten bigger, don't freak out, <laughs> time to revamp your website, <laughs> and you try to be productive as you can, and you keep on painting and trying to post stuff. And, you know, you go along the perspective, or at least I went along the perspective of, well, maybe it's not much, but maybe a little distraction, a little bit of normalcy. What people normally see me posting on social media will be good. You know, and help if anyone else is feeling that same kind of, of oh my gosh, what is happening to us? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then about a little bit further than midway through the quarantine, I started getting the notices from places that represented me of permanent closure. And then it got scary. And just to kind of jump in here, and one of those places, of course, was Roots Up Gallery, right? Yeah, Roots Up, Roots Up was the last one. They hung, they hung on the longest. And I even had a place in uh, Missouri. They were known for, um, it's like some gigantic lake. They were known for boating and, you know, the tourist stuff is all really big for them. And they decided to shut their doors. They were fantastic. And we worked on an agreement to split the the shipping cost so I could have my artwork come back to me. That's so crazy. I mean, I know Roots Up is going online, and of course I fully anticipate knowing Leslie that she's going to do some amazing things anyway. And I know you had just basically started working with Roots Up in the last six months or so, right? Yeah, and it had been going, from from my perspective, it had been going really well, and it was gaining momentum with her. I had done miraculously well around the December time, and print sales were going very well, and then just before St. Patrick's Day and the March thing, people started saying, should we close? She sold an original painting of mine, so it was slowly progressing up to where it looked like this was going to be a really beautiful relationship together, both beneficial for both of us. This wasn't the first time I've been through hardships in the art world. I remember when the, the Great Recession hit back in 2000-2008, I was out in the Las Vegas area, and I watched even museums at that time close down. So I was already starting to prepare for that this was going to be an interesting ride. I am glad that you brought that up, because I, I that's a topic of conversation that I'm interested in. I Early on in, in doing this radio show, Art on the Air, we, David and I, we talked a lot about that with, with other gallery directors and people who had been in town about the 2008 financial crisis and what impact it had on Savannah and the art community here and how it kind of really devastated the art community, which was on the uprise at that point. And it took a couple of years and then some other thing, you know, some things started coming back around, things like Art Rise and then and then of course, you know, Sulphur Studios came on the scene, you know, I guess yeah. been about 6 years, oh, five and a half years or so. <laughs> and so all these galleries started coming on and there was just a very few that had survived the whole thing like uh one of your actually your studio neighbor Brian McGregor had weathered that yeah. storm down on City Market, and then also Tiffany Taylor. But it had really been hard on a lot of artists in Savannah during that time. You know, I, I didn't experience that here in Savannah, but I did 
I talked to a lot of people about it. And as this was all happening, I was feeling like, wow, this seems so similar to what people were describing yeah. then because it's been feeling like Savannah, the Savannah art scene has really been climbing. And I just am yeah. so worried that this I is going to, you know. I hate that the coronavirus hit when it did because I really, really saw that the Savannah scene, I was like, you know, it's making such great progress. And it's, it's still at an infancy stage, but you could tell that it was just about ready to hit puberty and go to the next level. With all the different programs out there, everything between Leslie and Peter and Jennifer over at uh, Ultra Studios and the stuff that Tiffany Taylor's been doing with the art walks and the art markets, and uh, they were even starting to do art festivals, the Slam Festival. And it was like, you know, we were just at that cusp where we're going to finally reach that next level and start really hopefully making a scene on a more national level and even hopefully some on an international level that Savannah is a place for art. And so it was like, darn it, coronavirus, ah! (laughs) Yeah, it's a shame. It's a real shame because, you know, I think that that one of the things that Savannah is great at and has gotten to, and I know this will continue, is that Savannah artists support each other. I mean, we go to the openings, yeah. you know, we show up. Whenever there is an event, yeah. it's crowded. I mean, it's full. People show yeah. up, and that's great. But the sales and everything, I feel like we're just starting to catch up. The new Cultural Arts Center opening up, talk yeah. of 1% for the arts. A lot of opportunities yeah. were starting to come around, yeah. and I think... And we can't forget Blaney Contemporary Gallery either. Yeah, no, of course not. bringing another level of art to the community. She was bringing uh, the high-end level of fine art to Savannah. Right. Which is also needed as well. And was bringing another flavor in, you know. So we can't forget her. No, definitely not. And actually, I'll just mention now, she is still doing an interview series twice a week on Instagram at Laney Contemporary. I believe it's every Tuesday and Thursday at 5 p.m. And it's a it's a great interview series that she's doing with the artists. Like it's like gallery tours and stuff like that, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, but it's it's a shame. And we're going to see, though, you know, I, I think showing resiliency is the mark of a truly successful kind of industry. And if we can show resiliency in this time, you know, maybe we'll come out on the other side better for it. All of us who are here now, you know, stronger for it, learn some lessons and maybe, you know, take some progress forward. You mentioned that you worked, you've been working a bit on replenishing your website. Yeah, I had my website. Everyone was, when the shutdown stuff were taking place, everything was screaming, go online, go online, go online. It was just like, it felt like a, modern day gold rush you better get there first to california <laughs> or you're gonna miss out so i was like you know i don't know how long this is gonna be people have asked before if they could buy off my website and i was like i have i had been so busy just trying to keep up with the gallery demands i was actually when the coronavirus hit i felt like i was actually starting to fall behind like i could not produce work fast enough so i got to have a little bit of a breather which I am thankful for because I think artistically it's, it's allowing me to have a chance to finally sit back a little bit and marinate and really take the time to start to reflect. And I'm hoping that the work that I start to produce from this point forward will be a little bit deeper, a little richer. I mean, I've always had something to say with my work, but I don't know. I'm hoping I can add another layer to that. I've been feeling also, a similar experience to that as well, like artistically. Like, I feel like... I don't know how to exactly describe it, but it's like I feel as though like mentally, emotionally, in the way that I even think about my work, there has been progress. And it's weird. It's like because it's not necessarily like I'm seeing something on a 
on a piece of paper or in a sculpture or in a performance yet. But yeah. I do feel like I've taken some steps just by spending as much time as I have just evaluating because you're right, so much time yeah, is spent just... Time. Yeah, it's like so much time yeah. is just spent just finishing the project that's on the schedule. One way that I had told somebody, I was talking about this, I said, you know, it's a little bit like the phoenix rising from the ashes. You know, yes, things have changed and turmoil has rocked some of our world and some of our foundations have completely crumbled down, but that doesn't mean that we can't rise up again. It doesn't mean that we can't be something more magnificent than we were before, both individually and as a whole. So, really looking forward to seeing what artists can start producing now that they've had this time to step back and reevaluate. I spoke a couple of weeks ago with uh, a mutual friend of ours, Carmen Aguirre, and she's the curator of Grand Bohemian Gallery, but she's also an artist, and she's also somebody that shows at Roots Up Gallery. So I um, I spoke with her, and she was talking to me about a project that she had been thinking about for two, three years that she just didn't have time to do, and then she had started to delve into it because of the fact that, well, quite frankly, is because she's a gallery director at Grand Bohemian Gallery, and Grand Bohemian Gallery yeah. is closed. So she has this extra yeah. time. And the project that she was doing is very interesting. She was taking a look at old artifacts from her family, from cleaning out her childhood home, her parents' first home yeah. in Miami. And so, like, it was a really interesting and deep and, and difficult project that she wouldn't yeah. have done otherwise. So I like that. I mean, and I'm hopeful for that. And I imagine a lot of people are doing that. I hope people aren't just getting so like, oh, I just got to push ahead with what I was already doing. I hope people are allowing this to influence them. Yeah, I, th I think it's a great opportunity for that. You know, and we'll see, you know, I've been listening to the financial reports and, you know, projection of when they think tourism is coming back to Savannah and when people are finally all be going back to work and, and everything. And yeah, we, even when we did finally really fully come out of our homes and not feel so like freaked out, we're still going to be having residual effects that are going to be following probably a couple years even after. Um, but that doesn't mean it's going to necessarily be a bad thing. Just, you know, just like, again, that phoenix. Once one thing goes, another thing can come forward. This is a great time for us to reflect, even as a society, even if we're not artists, and reflect back on it and use our creative intellectual minds and go, okay, Let's take this time, let's evaluate, let's take the time now to fix what was broken and create new innovations and new ways to progress forward so that we can grow all around. I mean, yeah, it's going to be sad. I have been, like Carmen, as you, as you mentioned her thing, I have been taking time to look back and reflect on things, some things more culturally, historically, some things uh, pertaining to my family and my, my own personal family history. And just taking that time to go, okay, sometimes you have to step back to go forward as well. And I've also been kind of looking and playing with some of that too, uh, looking at other opportunities and other projects, uh, things that have been in the back of my mind, the things I have been wanting to do and haven't either had the time to do it or have been contractually not able to do it. And now that I've just got my studio <laughs> and everything, I now can start to pursue these ideas and start to go really dig into them and start mulling through which ones do I really want to dig my teeth into and pursue. 
Well, I think that's the perfect transition to talking about your studio, actually, because one of the reasons why I reached out to you, and it's always great to talk to you anyway, but you were, as you described it, the canary in a coal mine, and you reopened (laughs) your studio down on City Market, and that was just this past weekend at the time of this recording. Let's talk about that. First of all, what led to the decision of reopening the gallery? And then let's talk about how it's been in those first couple of days. Okay. Well, when I mentioned earlier in the conversation about when the the representation started dropping off, like they were going to be gone forever. And I was like, oh, crud, oh, crud. This is my livelihood. And that little bit of panic, I'll admit, did flare up in the back of my head. And I'm like, you know... I didn't go after any of the PPP loans or the SBA loans because I was like, you know, these galleries are strong galleries that I'm with. I get good with my opening. I have enough to float the studio. I will be okay and unstable and that there are other artists out there that might be more desperate or other businesses more desperate. Let them have it. So I was trying to graciously step back and then when everything started disappearing, I was like, oh, oh <laughs> this is going to be me too. <laughs> and so I started filling out the stuff for first the PPP loan. And my bank was one of the people that was approved to do these loans. So I went to the bank with my paperwork and they wouldn't even take the file. They wouldn't even take the paperwork. They just flat out said no. I was like, well, I'm trying to file. They said no. I said, well, can you take the paperwork, pretend we're filing it and give me a denial? They said, no, we're not even taking your work. Because they were only taking on people that they were already members of the bank, which I was, who had either a home mortgage, a car loan, or an already pre-existing business loan. And then they were taking the PPP and applying it to those loans. So Um. those loans wouldn't go under or go into default. And because I didn't have any of those things, I've always been very, very fortunate to had it to where my art has paid for itself. And so whenever I've gone to a new venture, like when I opened my studio, I actually was able to do that with the sale of my work. From previous sales, I saved up money and then was able to step up to the next step. So I've been very fortunate and very blessed that way. And so I didn't have any loans. I rent where I live, so there's no mortgage. And even the car I drive technically is a lease, so it's a rental, <laughs> so there's no car loan. So I, they just wouldn't allow me. I had the option of trying to go to another bank, smaller bank that were given them out, regardless of those situations. Then you had to get approved with a business loan prior, you know, and all of a sudden it was like the paperwork was, oh my goodness, unbelievable, surmountingly high. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Then finally, because I do sell online, I use PayPal for my online sales. I was like, PayPal came through and said on the second wave that came through and said, we're now opening up and we're doing SBA. And I said, woohoo, I know you'll take me. (laughs) (laughs) And I got denied. (laughs) Oh my gosh, wow. Even though I had been working with PayPal for six years of my art uh, through online resources, they were looking at brick and mortar. So I said, okay, I got a studio. I've got the studio gallery that I have. Uh, That's brick and mortar. And they denied me because it had only been open officially for two months before the shutdown. I had not been established long enough. And I was like, well, I've got a denial. That's good. I got a denial. I got that paperwork. I can go apply for unemployment. 
because I got it in my house for these other things. So yeah, I've got that. And then the governor decides to open up the state. Mm. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was like, I cannot believe this. So I now don't qualify for unemployment because I have the ability to work because the state has been opened. And my place of work technically is allowed to be opened. So then it's like, and there went that out the window. So I was like, well, <laughs> I guess I'm going to go back to work. <laughs> And see what happens. You're listening to Art on the Air on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with Global Soul. Well, before we get into what happened, I, I think that's such an interesting story that you tell because I think on the one hand, I think people are like, oh my gosh, how could people be you know, reopening and doing all this stuff. It's not safe. And, you know, there's that is that understanding on the one hand. But, I mean, the way you just described it, I mean, like, essentially you had no choice. I mean, like, you have to Uh, reopen. I really don't. I really don't. So I'm very, very fortunate that I've been for a very, very long time, coming up around seven years, where I've been in the art longer, but for the last seven years, where I have been working solely as a full-time artist, where the sale of my artwork, whether through print revenue other resources of, you know, selling original paintings, commissions, winning prizes and stuff based on my paintings through contests. I have been able to completely 100% support myself and expand my art career through my art. So I've been very, very blessed with that. So it left me where I don't have the, the side job of where, oh, I'm a teacher, like a professor at SCAD or even an art teacher in you know, one of the elementaries to middle school, high school level. I don't have that. I don't have a side thing that I'm working as a curator through an established company. So it's like I really am here completely solely by myself, no side job. And it's like I'm not even a barista anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So I I really was not giving any choice with no financial help coming my way. And, you know, I still have belief on my studio space. I still have police on my vehicle and I still have rent that I pay for the apartment and you know um, there's still bills that are coming in and there's been no assistance so it's really left me with no option but to go forward and say okay let's clean this place as good as I can I'll be as sanitary as I can and knock on wood that you know everything ends up being okay and that's why I said I really, really feel like the canary in a coal mine. Because I have no choice going forward. Other artists that are fortunate through whatever means it is, you know, whether they have a spouse that is still employed and bringing income into their houses, or they happen to have a very successful career previously and they're retired, and they now are getting to live the second half of their life as a full-time artist, and so they have that that they can rest on. They have a second job that is still functioning. I don't have that. So they're, in a sense, getting lucky <laughs> that they have that. And then they can also see what happens to me. They can sit back and go, we can wait until June. And go, did she live? Is the canary alive? <laughs> How did, so how did it go the first few days? Because, I mean, I did see that you did make uh, at least one sale, and, and I saw you sold another commission this week. So, I mean, how yeah. was that those first few days of reopening the space? 
what I really, really expected, I'll start off with that. I really, really expected that it would be very, very empty. You'd see a few people maybe mulling around in City Market. You know, some of the food establishments are opened up, like Vinnie Van Gogh's Pizza. And the people would be going and getting that. You'd see them walking around just checking out, going, what survived, what's still here, you know, who is open. I can't wait to see the sun on my face. Thinking it was mostly going to be local, just kind of stretching their legs. And I would basically just kind of be working in my face. So the first day that I opened up, I had two people come up to my studio all day, and I, I made it one sale, and I was very surprised, and like, oh, yay, <laughs> that feels like good sign. And then I went, I decided to go back on Saturday, because it's also when they do the Savannah Art Walk and everything, and I was like, you know, I've always been a supportive Tiffany on that, and so I was like, well, I'm going to go down, I'm going to put my sign out, I'm going to open up the doors. I'm going to throw, throw some balloons out and go, there's an artist here, <laughs> you know. I had a significantly larger amount of people come through that day. And so I started, I decided to start asking where people were coming from. You know, oh, hey, what brings you in today? Where are you from? And I was surprised I only had one local come through. The majority of the people were from South Carolina. Mm. Then after that, it was Florida. was the second most group of people coming through. I had New Hampshire. Atlanta, had one person from Minnesota, and some people from North Carolina. That's when it starts turning of like, I really am a freaking canary. <laughs> and my studio isn't open today because there's a couple things I want to change on some practices that I want to have, because there are people coming from different, seriously different other places, and it's not just the local. I got to meet some wonderfully lovely people, all with different perspectives of why they came to Savannah. The overall majority people who are coming to Savannah or coming to Georgia believe Georgia, because we opened back up, they believe we're safe. Mm. They believe that this is a clean and safe environment and that they won't get sick. And so if you do go down the city market and you see all these people not wearing masks and not constantly sanitizing their hands or wearing gloves, it's because they literally believe they've come to some place that is clean and safe. The other thing is we're they were commonly saying is, I've been shut up the whole time. I've been inside the whole time. And this is my first trip out. So they believe that they're not sick and they're not carrying anything on them and that they've come to a clean place. So they think that they're safe and it's okay to be completely normal like it was previous. What they don't understand is that there is a few people and I did have a couple come through from, well, from New Jersey. <laughs> Sorry, New Jersey, that believed that they had already had the coronavirus. They said they got sick in January, both them and their partner, and that they were completely immune, and therefore they opposed no threat to anybody here, and no one opposed a threat to them. And it was like, you came from one of the hotbeds in New Jersey. <laughs> and that was a little nerve-wracking, I'll admit. You know, it was like, okay, and after you left, I hosed down the entire studio, <laughs> you know, and cleaned it thoroughly like that I had just, you know, slaughtered some poor unfortunate animal in here, and I was like, ah! <laughs> you know, so one of the things I'm definitely going to require of people is that I'm going to be having a hand sanitization outside my door, and if they don't want hand sanitized, and I'm going to have a box of disposable gloves, that will be a requirement to come in. You either have to hand sanitize right up before you come in, or you have to wear the disposable gloves because people are slipping through the press in. And 
if someone coughed into their hand and then goes to flip through the print bin as they were coming up the stairs to my studio and they think they're safe and they think they're clean and they just, oh, it was an allergy. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but I don't want to risk the next person that comes in. And so I'm going to be going to buy, hopefully they still have it, a big old bottle of hand sanitizer <laughs> and a big old box of gloves. Say, hey, catch you pick. That's going to be a requirement to come in. Yeah, that's such an interesting yeah. perspective. I have been my, you know, Gretchen, my wife is so she has yeah. asthma, and then of course I have a you know a six month old baby. So like we're I'm yeah. I'm still in lockdown mode. You know I'm not. That's why we're doing yeah. this interview by phone. I'm not I'm not taking any yeah. chances. I and understand. yeah, and and so like I have been reading stuff you know in on the news and in the media, and I, but I have actually mostly been off Facebook as well. <laughs> to be honest with you, I've been off social yeah. media kind of too. So my exposure is to what is going on on the ground so to speak is really limited and yeah. from to hear it from you i mean like it's a very yeah. like you're experiencing it for real yeah i'm there real time i'm seeing it i'm talking to the people i got to speak with a mom and her daughter uh came in they were from south carolina she had she was one of these students that had graduated they're going to be graduating without the standard ceremony and very bright young lady She's very excited to start her college career. She's going to study anthropology with the intent to go and then get a major in studies on, on fine art history so that she can be hopefully be a curator in a museum and do museum studies and all this stuff. She loves art. Uh, she was very enthusiastic, very sweet young lady. And like I said, seemed miraculous. Of course, while I was there, I was always wearing a mask and you know, and everything, so that people would not feel concerned that I was going to make them sick. I'm trying to be very, very conscious that everyone has a different psychological level of comfort as we start to progress back to opening up. And I'm trying to be very compassionate to all levels. So I had my mask on, and her mother had her mask on, and she didn't feel that she needed to wear a mask because she had been outside. And I said, and I looked at her, I said, well, honey, you're outside now. I said, and you're in the middle of a tourist area with all kinds of people from different areas. She reached into her pocket, pulled out her mask, and put it on. She goes, I did not think of that. So our, our tourists that are coming in aren't realizing that it's not just people from your area. It's not just you. These are people coming from all over the country right now who are tired of being quarantined, who are in a lot of places coming from places that are still on lockdown, aren't allowed to go out, and are traveling this way because we're open. You know, my routine when I come home from the studio is both, both days because my, my husband is a cancer survivor. Sorry, here for a moment. And I can't think about the possibility of losing him. So when I come home, the first thing I do is I take off all my clothes. I go get in the shower and I completely scrub down because I want to make sure that I don't bring anything home. Sorry, there. <laughs> um. 
Well, that's, I mean, it's, that's a, it, you know, you yeah, tell apologize. a story. No, that's, I mean, no need to apologize. I, you know, you're sharing a very real experience and I think this is what it is. I mean, this is the situation that we're really living in right now. And I really appreciate you sharing your story with me of, you know, how you decided to open up your gallery space. Because when you, you reached out to me to tell me that you were reopening the gallery, I was very curious, you know, I wasn't assumptive though, because I know you and, and I know what, what your situation yeah. is. And so, um, it is, and I, and I wonder that's probably going to be the situation with a lot of people. And I hope the experiment of us being the ones who reopen as in the state of Georgia yeah. and as in Savannah, I hope the experiment goes well. I mean, I just hope that it yeah. doesn't end up being, you know, deadly yeah. for people. So, yeah. I, re- I really don't. That's why I'm, I'm taking more and more precautions. Like I said, I come home and I, I shower up and I clean myself very well. Clothes, you know, go into the laundry bin right away. And I make sure that I'm clean before, you know, I interact with my family. And I know, I guess, I guess the one reason why I reached out to you to let you know that I was doing this is I was hearing people on both sides of the stay home, don't stay home, I guess you say fence. If I would say to anybody out there who is fortunate enough to be able to stay home at this time period, they're not having to worry about losing a job, their home, they're not having to worry about losing their business, and they have the way, if they are business owners, and they do have the way to help their employees through this time, oh, you are so fortunate and so blessed. And Take this time to be thankful that you have this. You have this extra cushion time. You are very, very lucky people. And please be kind to all the people who aren't as blessed. Because I'm pretty sure that the majority of the people who are going back, who are working, um, are because they have no choice. It's not because they're being afraid. It's not because they're money-hungry or greedy, it's because they have been in a position where there is no more choice. They have to go. Some of them, it could be choice for mental health because of being cooped up for so long. Some of them, it can be a choice because they have family members that need to eat and they have to keep a roof over their head. Some of them are having to go back because their businesses have opened up. And they said, we're calling you back into work. And if you don't come back, we're considering you as quitting. So be kind to those that are, that are coming out. We really are your first wave of, is it safe? You know, every single one of us standing there on the line is a canary. And if we keep tweeting, more and more people will be able to come help tweet with us. Well, Lisa Rosemeyer, I think that's a perfect place for us to end this interview today. Please, you be safe out there. And I know that we're all hoping that everything works out uh, well for you and, and your family as well. Thank you so much for spending some time speaking with me for Art on the Air today. Of course, of course. Hopefully it helps others out there. And um, I'll see everybody on the other side. <laughs> That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time 
on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air.